welcome to another edition of the Streaking Line podcast. As always, my name is Pierce, and as always, I've got my co-host Caroline with me. Hey. Hi. I beat you to it this time. Hey. Hi. How's it going? It's good. How are you, Pierce? I'm doing very well. We do have a special guest joining us in a few. We'll get to that interview with Seth Greenberg of ESPN's Game Day, College Game Day, coming to town. Coming to Charlottesville, trying to make it three in a row for half-court shots for uh, UVA students. It's so incredible. If they do it, like I'm going to lose my They've mind. They've got to. You can't be the kid who misses now. So uh, I think that's the main reason I want to tune in. Maybe I'll go. I'm not going to go. Let's be real. But maybe you'll be there, right? I will. I'll be there. I'm super excited. It's going to be a fun day on Saturday. I, I really enjoy going to game day. I've been to the two previous ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fans always bring it. I'm super excited to see all the signs. Yeah. <laughs> because I think, like, they've just always done such a good job with the Duke and UNC ones, and I think having um, Virginia Tech as a as a game for that is pretty simple to come up with some really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm hoping they bring all the yeah. national championship trophy printouts again. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so there's some really good ones. So I think that'll be cool. Um, and then right after, the lacrosse season kicks off this lacrosse Saturday. Home. Opener, home bu- opener, bu- season opener, like rap air horn right now, like ba 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 ba. Um, and we're they- gonna win an ACC game this year. Yes, it's gonna yeah. happen. They're playing Loyola. Loyola is number ten. Virginia was preseason number fifteen, so it should be. I think the last three games have been decided by a goal. Yeah. If you go to game day, you can get free tickets to the lacrosse Ooh. game, which is at one at Clockner. So definitely do that if you're listening. And then mm-hmm. the game starts at 6.15. So it's like a lovely little day, you know? Yeah, you can just have a full UVA sports extravaganza on Saturday here in the hook. I'm excited for lacrosse season. Those helmets, which we put up on streakingalon.com that they're wearing in the opener, are so sweet. So fresh. The so mat. nice. The mat. I'm all Love for that. mat. Yeah, it's... We need more who's on things Instead of like, you know, just like barely written on their belts, you know, yeah. like, like we need more who's references on the actual uniforms. I love it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, it should be really cool. And I, I did like, hopefully, well, I don't know, it's funny when y'all are listening to this. Um, I talked to Coach Tiffany for um, like an hour last week or two weeks ago, and he's, it'll be a fun season. They've got a lot of great pieces offensively. The midfield is going to be arguably the best in the country. Um, mm-hmm. And the top rated goalie recruit is going to take the field for the who's Alex road. Um, yeah. who my friend, uh, Ty Zanders, who's like the recruiting guru mm-hmm. said was the best goalie he's ever evaluated in high school. You think he'll, he'll just start um, right now. He's like the leading Griffin Thompson had a great season to end last year. He really mm-hmm. stepped up big yeah, when he needed him. Um, and he closed out really strongly. So mm-hmm. I think there's been a healthy competition, but um I think it's going to end up being road. Good stuff. Yeah. And this has been talking lax. Yeah. But let's go back to basketball because we have not been talking uh, on the podcast about the past three games, including the huge game in Durham, uh, which we have extensively covered. You have firsthand uh, knowledge of, but also big wins against Louisville on the road in Syracuse. I mean, it was sort of a, a sleepy win, but there was a moment there where Syracuse tried to come back, and obviously we all panicked. And any road win in conference, Syracuse isn't a bad team. They're just not a great team. Uh, I, all big wins. Yeah, Louisville absolutely. playing very well. You know, that that's a big statement to say they're not at the level UVA is at. And, but obviously the Duke win 
first time in a billion years in Durham. Uh, what, what more can you say? It's just like we're, we're sitting on cloud nine waiting for the other <laughs> shoe to drop, I guess. But yeah, hopefully, weird... hopefully it drops later, like after the season or something. Yeah, it's a weird feeling. Um, like you mentioned, like the Duke game was obviously a huge win. And I keep going back and if the Ty Jerome three comes across whatever it is I'm looking at, whether it's mm-hmm. like it pops up in Twitter, I am yep. checking something in an article or someone mentions it. Like I will go find it and watch it like six yeah. times just because I, I can't end it with Titanic music. Yeah. Also good. I can't, I just can't get over that shot. Doesn't happen last year. Like, mm. and we, you know, we here at the podcast are big London Parantis fans. Um, <laughs> but there's just something that Ty brings to this offense. That is this. There's just different style with a lot of the same mm-hmm. techniques as London would use. I guess maybe it's the best way. Like Ty doesn't get sped up either. And a lot of people joke about him mm-hmm. looking slow or athletic, which I don't agree with. He's just mm. tall and it looks slower. Um, but that whole sequence, there's just so many times in that game. And I've thought about it a lot where every time Duke responded or came back and like, punched Virginia in the mouth Virginia responded whether it was you know my favorite Jack Salt um who was outstanding um whether it's DeAndre Hunter who has just been like I legitimately could spend three weeks of podcasts worth just talking about the delight that DeAndre Hunter is and and he came up big we'll do a long form podcast yeah exactly three hours just on DeAndre Hunter (laughs) me narrating amazing plays of his like (laughs) and he's that guy that is the spark that can he's a nightmare to guard he's good on defense he's lengthy like against Syracuse he was unstoppable like they just couldn't figure mm-hmm. out anything to do with him and obviously he didn't play a lot um against Louisville because of the rolled ankle which I think everyone had a like minor cardiac emergency when he went mm-hmm. down um but you just kind of see those pieces where there's just someone has it, not even just one guy, but like two or three guys every time will come yeah. up and have a day. It's interesting that you mentioned comparing Ty and uh, uh, Piranhas, which, which certainly people have done, but the idea that, that they both have attitude, both weren't shying away from the big shot, but it's a very different um, style for sure. But you're right. Neither gets spread, sped up. They both see the floor well. Yeah. Both more than adequate defenders, if not strong defenders. Yeah, Ty's been really, really good. And he's, yeah, he's fouling he's, I mean, more he's than... Those, yeah, deflections. Yeah, he is picking up fouls. I was <laughs> laughing with my buddy. It was like, well, it wouldn't be a first half without Ty getting a second foul. Yeah. I, I think it was the Louisville game. He got one right at the end of the second half. But anyway, yeah. they, they, it's almost like, is that the difference between uh, New York and L.A. swagger? <laughs> like, Because they both played with attitude. Very yes, open. absolutely. Um, Ty is one of the most confident like and I don't want to say cocky because I just feel like that always gets like really negative connotations to it but there's just something about the way and again very similar you're right absolutely like similar to what London had but I think Mm -hmm. people have this like I don't know he's super competitive and just like the way that he can shake off and he did to Louisville like three times he this is the first time in a long time I'm trying to remember if I felt this way, like about Malcolm creating his own shots and like shaking off guys, but I'm calling it getting Jerome because like he's <laughs> just crossing over, like crossing up fools. And like he shot over, was it Spalding who has like an 8 million mile long wingspan and just mm-hmm. like shook him off and hit the shot. Like it's, it's cool to have that, a guy that's confident. And then not only that, but he's, he is, he's heady in the game where, the interception on it, granted it was a terrible 
passing decision by Duval, but to intercept mm-hmm. that ball and then immediately like he slowed it down, drew the right. foul against Grace and they were able to inbound it. Right. So just the little things that he's doing right now and the confidence with that would like with which everyone is playing. Um is fun to see and you're right like I was still panicking when it was 15 points and like mm-hmm. you know seven minutes left five minutes left still texting my buddies being like oh my god I'm so it scared it was good in the Syracuse game to see them hit uh the jumper in the open space a little bit more than they were when Duke pulled out the zone um I know statistically UVA is act it does well against the zone usually but it always seems to be a little I don't know, trepidatious there. Like I've, the past yeah. few years, you're like, every time a, t- a team would throw out zone, even Syracuse, you're wondering like, oh, they're hitting the shots, but I feel like they're going to miss them. You know? yeah. <laughs> you know? and that like, was... like our offense is weirder and it, it makes me uncomfortable. And and it showed in the Duke game because they weren't making the shots. Wilkin, yeah. Ty, uh, whoever was there until they put in Hunter. Uh, but yeah. so, as you noted, you know, he he very well may have saved the game for him until he got hurt by being able to to control that offense. And then Lucas is hitting him against Syracuse, so we're in good shape. Sorry, I keep yeah. cutting you off. No, that's okay. No, no, no. One of the things that um, and you're right, Wilkins usually we we know Wilkins can hit those shots, and I think against right. Duke, there's some back issues or whatever you call it. Still, um, and some people will say like, "Oh, they struggled with the zone after when Duke brought it out," and I was like. They got any look they wanted, just right. some of them would rim out or not, you know, like just wouldn't quite, like they just didn't make some of the shots that I think that they normally make. And we've mm-hmm. seen them make because we have three guys shooting over 40% from three. Like they know how they can make those shots. And obviously Isaiah could make those shots. And um, if you hit a couple of those elbow jumpers, like mm-hmm. I think Virginia wins by 10, like legitimately, like there were just some opportunities that Duke had to come back in and they're getting those like the alley-oop basket that wasn't an alley-oop it was just a bad pass that went in and um it was like one of those things where you just kind of yeah. see the ball bounce around in the rim and drop in it was one of those moments where you're like of course that's gonna happen yeah exactly so close game and now we're gonna lose by one because of that 100 percent thought that was gonna be the case and it's just it was fun to see um how the guys and obviously missing the front end of those one-on-ones is not ideal by Kyle Mm -hmm. and Ty but Kyle going back to the line and drilling those last two was so cool and there was a brief he did look over at the crazies I remember him like giving one (laughs) before he went back to the like went back on defense I was like yeah Kyle yeah (laughs) like they're just it's this team is a they're a lot of fun and it's I look at each winning is very fun yeah winning is way Mm -hmm. better than losing and winning decisively with good players that play literally like this is a historic level of defense they're at right now Mm -hmm. Um, because adding the turnovers and sorry causing turnovers and getting the steals while also not turning the ball over is apparently a great recipe for destroying people's souls on the basketball court so I'm all for it (laughs) Very much so. Well, why don't we jump right in uh, now to that interview we've got with Seth, uh, Seth Greenberg of ESPN, formerly uh, employed by the Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University as their basketball coach. And of course, before that, uh, well down the road, uh, not not that far down the road, I guess I don't want to make old jokes here. Anyway, worked at UVA too. Um, so Seth's been around the Commonwealth a lot, and he was uh, gracious enough to take some time out of his day uh, to talk to us about 
UBA Hoops. So here it is. All right, so we've got with us this evening ESPN's College Game Day, Seth Greenberg, uh, here to chat for a few minutes about game day coming to town on Saturday and uh, the Who's. And uh, Seth, we're so happy to have you. Uh, thanks for so much for taking uh, time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. And I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Caroline start things off. So, Seth, when you look at this Virginia team up to number two in the country, started the season unranked, obviously, is this performance that they're pulling off right now being, you know, 21 and one and 11 and 0 in the ACC, is that something that surprised you? And what was your take on the, on this team coming into the season? You know, I thought there was some question marks, you know, obviously Ty Jerome, how would he step in for London Fuentes, who I thought was absolutely terrific player. Kyle Guy, would he hundred percent buy in? I liked DeAndre Hunter when I saw him practice a year ago, uh, you know, he's been absolutely terrific. I knew they'd get great leadership from Devin Hall and Isaiah Wilkins, but uh, the pieces just fit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. Being 11-0 in the ACC, rolling into Cameron and winning, those are, those are, that's pretty impressive. I mean, if you're not impressed by that, you don't have a pulse. Yeah, absolutely. I was at the, that UVA-Duke game at Cameron. That was impressive. And, and you've talked a little bit before about some of the stuff that's that's different about this team, but what is the biggest thing that stands out to you when people say like, Oh, but you know, they never succeed in the postseason. Is there something that you can put your finger on where you'd say like, no, this year could be the year that Tony Bennett makes that final four. Well, I mean, look, I mean, it depends on how you define, you know, having been successful in, in the tournament, they you know faced Michigan state twice. who's a pretty good basketball program and uh, they've had success. Uh, it's hard to get to the final four. It's hard to advance in the tournament. Uh, this team has a chance. They scored a little bit easier. They've got a little bit more versatility with, uh, with DeAndre, I think. He kind of adds a unique, uh, option. I think that Devin Hall's a, a fabulous defender. I think their style of play is difficult to play against the second day in the tournament. And, uh, look, I, you can't speak of certainty, but, uh, you know, this team has the DNA, the character, the toughness, and, uh, I love the versatility of Hunter. I think he changes this team a little bit. Absolutely. And when you're looking at the national landscape right now, I mean, you've got Villanova, Purdue, and hopefully Virginia locked in uh, towards those one seeds. It's a little bit different than the years where we're talking about Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, always at the top where those teams are maybe hoping to, to get to that level by, by March. What is it about those three teams, uh, Nova, UVA, and Purdue, that's really set them apart from the, the normal classic Blue Bloods? Well, experience. They have shared experiences. They've got toughness. They've got maturity. They have the ability to deal with adversity. Uh, they've got good players. You know, they've all got pros, too. Now, I mean, so let's say they've got talent, but they have belief in their, each other and belief in their system, and they have great trust. And I think that's something that young developing teams, you know, struggle with. And trust is shown by, you know, how much you can pressure the ball so that you, have, you know you have help behind you. Trust is making the next pass because you know someone will make the next pass to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think those are the things that set those three teams apart. And when you look at the ACC specifically this year, obviously we've already mentioned, we'll say again, yeah, Virginia at the top, 11 and no. Um, there's three games ahead of Clemson, which is another team that kind of snuck up on some people. But when you look at kind of the middle clump of the ACC, like how do you see that shaking out? And what would be your best guess for like how many teams the ACC could reasonably be looking at for the NCAA tournament? 
I think it gets seven in. It's interesting because obviously Notre Dame would have been an NCAA tournament team without Bonzi and Matt Farrell's injuries. I think that's an issue. I think Virginia mm-hmm. Tech has a chance, but uh, their non-conference schedule is uh, not exactly challenging. So they didn't set themselves up, and uh, you know they've got they lost three home games already, which is not going to help them. Uh, now there's not a lot of mid-majors, and that's that goes. That's in their favor. It's in uh, mm-hmm. because you look. I think the Mountain West might get two with Boise and, and Nevada. Uh, Atlantic Ten, unless someone beats URI, they're going to get one. And the West Coast Conference looks like they're going to get two in St. Mary's and Gonzaga. I think so. You know, there there are opportunities available. What Clemson's been able to do is obviously been terrific. I think NC State's played their way into the tournament conversation. So I, I would say I'm pretty comfortable with seven. Seth, could you tell us a little bit about uh, the game day selection process? I mean, UVA being undefeated. I, could, I, I really, I really couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not part of that process. Uh, sure. You know, I think, you know, let's be, let's be totally honest. If, in a perfect yeah. world, we'd probably be at Purdue and Michigan State yeah, last yeah. weekend. Yeah. But everything that's gone on, I just think that it's not, it's not time to celebrate basketball. Uh, probably on their campus. I mean, that's my gut feeling. I don't have any insight into it. But, you know, to me, game day is a reward. Uh, game uh-huh. day is a celebration. And, uh, you know, going to Virginia, an undefeated Virginia in the ACC, coming off a win against Duke, is that's a pretty good celebration. The crowds have been great. It's obviously mm-hmm. not the ideal game, although it is a rivalry game. It doesn't have mm-hmm. as much national significance as maybe Purdue at Michigan State, you know, two of the top five teams in the country. But, uh, we're excited to go there. The, the hospitality in Charlottesville has always been great. The crowds have been terrific. The energy in the building is always great. And uh, I'm excited to go there. Seth, is there a place that you is your must go to when you come to Charlottesville? This will be the, I think this is the third time in four seasons that game day has come to Charlottesville. It's, uh, I, think I, 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 I was an assistant. I was an assistant for coach Allen in 84. Uh, you know, so uh, I've been to Charlottesville a lot as a, as a coach. I was at Virginia tech also working there and, Mm-hmm. So we go to the Aberdeen Barn the night before. That's where I go. To, <laughs> my man Jimmy always looks after me, and uh, that's where we ate pregame meal the night before games when I was uh, when, I, when I was an assistant at Virginia. And uh, it's just kind of a tradition. It's fun, uh, easy place. It's like a time warp, but it's a it's a good place to go. I mean, I know that we're staying at that Hilton place. So I mean, there's a bunch of places right in that in that shopping center. There's a really good Italian place, and there's that burger place that's pretty good. But we'll. I don't know. I'll probably end up the Aberdeen Barn. Get you know, can't beat the can't beat the breadsticks. The Aberdeen Barn, classic. Uh, and Seth, can you talk to us a little bit about the the UVA Virginia Tech rivalry? I mean, working at uh, both institutions, and maybe not historically like the biggest basketball rival, but I think when you UVA's gotten recent success, and Virginia Tech's had some success earlier uh, in their ACC tenure. You know all about that. What's what's makes that rivalry special compared to maybe the football uh, aspect of it? It's Virginia, Virginia Tech. It's just like yeah. you know any two schools that share a state. Uh, you know, I mean, I was fortunate. The last win Virginia Tech had actually I had at JPJ. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, you know, it's a it's a great rivalry. It's you know it's in a little ways the Hatfields and the McCoys. It's uh, you know two different schools, but two very prideful alumni bases. And mm-hmm. I used to say, when you play that game, you represent anyone and everyone that's ever walked across that drill field. And uh, the game has significance. Rivalry games are good for college basketball. Uh-huh. I think they're respectful. I know, you know, when I, when I was there, 
I had tremendous amount of respect for Tony and Coach Gillen and, and, and the history of, you know, Virginia, Virginia Tech, whether it goes back to Coach Holland and Coach Moyer. And uh, I think it's a healthy rivalry now that the two teams are in the same league. And I, I think it's good for basketball in the state. So how do you see this one playing out on Saturday? Because obviously Virginia went into Castle Coliseum and was able to come away. I think it was a 26-point win on the road. Um, kind of a big, you know, big game, road game to pick up early on. How do you see this playing out on Saturday? Yeah, they got to put that game in the rearview mirror, Virginia, because, you know, that was an anomaly. Look, you got to run Virginia Tech off the three-point line. You got to stop the ball in transition, and you got to guard the basketball. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to play with spacing and drive it and, and draw a second defender. And that's going to be important. And then Virginia Tech's got a guard. And Virginia Tech's really struggled defensively. Blackshear's got to stay out of foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got to find a way to, you know, get penetration so that they can move Virginia and move them in a little bit of rotation so they can get some step-in threes. So guarding the ball for Virginia is going to be huge. And obviously – the same thing for, for Virginia Tech. They've got a guard. I mean, you know, they did a nice job defensively against North Carolina, but uh, Virginia's a different animal. It tests your defensive discipline. Absolutely. And I guess we're recording this on a Tuesday, and we probably won't publish till Thursday with a lot of the National Signing Day stuff. So there is a chance that Wednesday night Virginia goes on the road to Florida State and is no longer undefeated, as we've been talking about them being undefeated in the ACC. But where do you it, do you think Virginia can run the table in the ACC? And if not, where do you think they pick up that first loss? Yeah, um, yeah, can they? Of course they can. They're good <laughs> enough to win every game they're going to play. I mean, they're playing in the ACC. They also have a chance to lose games. Uh, Florida State's a tough place to play. Florida State has great length. Florida State's a better shooting team than they have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that's a tough place to play. If they got to win there, that, that, that would be a heck of a win. Uh, you cannot underestimate the length and the athleticism, and now the skill level. Terrence Mann, upperclassman, Bill Kofer, upperclassman, C.J. Walker playing really well. Uh, M.J. Walker comes, knocks down jumpers. They're a very good team. Uh, that should be a terrific game. And Seth, do you think uh, Tony's got ACC Coach of the Year wrapped up? I mean, it's pretty early. Obviously, a lot can happen, but I, th- I think we at the UVA blog think he's – Yeah, you don't know that. You, you can't you – can't, I mean, like, look, you, let the season play out. They, they, yeah, they, they're having a magical season. He's done a terrific job, but there's, there's still basketball games to be played. I would say, obviously, he's the front runner. He's undefeated. The last time I checked that, probably ought to be better than that. <laughs> That'll do it. So there's a lot of great players in the league this year. Obviously, Trey Young, Marvin Bagley, uh, DeAndre Aiden at Arizona. Who's your pick for front runner of player of the year? Like, is there someone else I haven't mentioned? Who, who, who do you like for that right now? Yeah, Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's my player of the year. He's yeah. the best player mm-hmm. on, on number one team at this moment in time. He's a little fundamental. He, he, play, he gets 30 if he needs 30. If not, he facilitates. He gets in the lane. He's an elite an elite defender. He's got a toughness and he's a terrific leader. Uh, he's a winning player. And I think you've got to give that some value to that. You know, he's played off Broadway. He's, every game's not an event like Trey Young, mm-hmm. but he'll eventually play on Broadway in the NCAA tournament. And I think he's just, uh, he's a very special player and, uh, and he's so good for college basketball. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, uh, Seth. We, we appreciate you taking the time. And who fans, uh, I'm sure will all My be pleasure. tuned in Saturday morning for, for game day. I'll see you there, Seth. I'll see you on Saturday.
All right, so I, I thought there were some good uh, points there at the end about the National Player of the Year and, and sort of the national spectrum of, of who yeah. we're, we're dealing with it being as UVA fans, uh, you know, it, the chatter of being a one seed and, and that, all the pressure that comes with that. And, and, you know, oh, there's six, seven, eight in the conference tournament left. Like, it, things could go wrong. Um, but I'm curious about the, the picture the broader picture of, of who are the great teams and who are the great players is something we really, ha- I don't think I've dug into a lot on, uh, on the podcast. So yeah, now that's just you and me, let's dig into it. Uh, you to agree <laughs> with, with the Brunson pick as, as I love player. it. I love yeah. it. I, I almost threw him out there as like, I should have now I'm kicking myself. Like I almost threw him out there, but I watched the Villanova Seton Hall game and Good Lord, Villanova's good. <laughs> Their mm-hmm. defense is a little suspect. Um, Seton Hall has some really good players. So, um, Angel Delgado, Desi Rodriguez, yeah. both really, really talented guys. Yeah. Oh, um, God, it was a lot, awesome. of, lot of fun to watch. Um, mm-hmm. But they were basically kind of able to do whatever they wanted. Uh, yeah. Offensively, Seton Hall was. But it's one of those – I love it. It's the reverse of Virginia right now, right? So they have, like, the same t- type makeup – the same type group of guys that like have put their time in like um, my Kyle Bridges. He's like mm-hmm. a guy that red shirted, put his time in, sat the bench for a little bit his first year. Like it very similar trajectory to what we have with like a Devin Hall type player. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a lot of makeup. Like obviously Jay Wright is a fantastic coach. He's a guy that's gotten a lot like him and Tony always get comparisons to each other. Um, and you see them, but they are in the, we'll just outscore you. Mm-hmm. And we're in the, you won't score enough to beat us. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny. Um, they have the number one offensive. I think right now I'd have to check the numbers, but I think they're close to also being like a Ken Palm record for offensive efficiency. Gotcha. Um, so that would be, that's really interesting. But Jalen Brunson's just a well-rounded player. And I love what he said about the fundamentals and that if you need 30 points for him, you can get 30 points. If you need him to be a facilitator, he'll also do that role. So in, he reminds me a lot of Devin Hall. Devin Hall is a guy that will do literally anything to help his team win. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to him if he has zero points like he did at Syracuse if Virginia wins by 15. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's one of those things. Um, but, yeah, I think Villanova, Purdue, who I haven't gotten a chance to watch as much as I perhaps mm-hmm. would have liked um, at this yeah. point, and Virginia, I think, have really set themselves apart. Um, I'm tired of the, like, there's no great teams. Like, they're just teams that are, like, grinding out yeah. wins. Like it's yeah. incredible. It's like sixty-seven and four combined record. Like that's nuts. Yeah. Um, I think when you talk about national coverage, and now we're like sensitive to to people bringing up Trey Young at every opportunity, and and it's because yeah. you know when he gets his own like stat line at the bottom of other games you're watching, like updates or Trey Young scoring. That's that's yeah. absurd and obnoxious, but it's nothing he's doing. No, you know. <laughs> getting like the Tim Tebow treatment like where people get tired of him really fun to watch like that's why you know they've jumped on covering him he is a great player uh and a great scorer leading you know the country in assists for a game too I guess because everyone's trying to keep him from shooting it but anyway I I gotta go Bagley though if I'm picking my player of the year and I'm sure that's easy so good I've watched way more Duke games than I have um, Oklahoma or Purdue or Villanova games. Um, not that, you know, I've seen them all, but he's unbelievable. It, it's just, he brings something 
that very few people possess uh, in college basketball. And I, I like your point that Brunson might be doing a few things better than anybody else, and certainly Trey Young is scoring better than anybody yeah. else. Maybe not as efficient. <laughs> but <laughs> True. Volume. I mean, Bagley, like, he's just a total game changer. He's unreal. Like, seeing him in person, like, I've watched him on TV so many times, you're like, yeah, he's really good. And then you see, like, like mm-hmm. I don't – honestly, I would go – like, I love the Jalen Brunson pick. My thing is, like, it's never going to happen, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, which that doesn't make it, like, a bad pick, obviously. But I would probably go Bagley, Brunson, Young. Like, Trey Young's really good, but you're, you're right. He's, like, not super efficient, and he's fun to watch. He's got the pizzazz side of it, but I, I don't know. I think that would be my order right now. Like, I really, really like Marvin Bagley. He's a nice, he seems like a nice guy, like, and plays really hard, and he's so good. <laughs> like, it's just like I, you watch him, and you're like, there's no way you're 17. That's a grown-ass man. Like, how are you, how are you doing this? Um, so, yeah, he's, he's – but I do think Tony should be in the conversation, and he is in the conversation sure. coach and – Sorry, not coach and player of the year, because that'd be impressive. But <laughs> ACC and national coach of the year. So I think we've often talked about, like, oh, should he be the ACC coach of the year? Like, mm-hmm. yes, is my opinion on that. Kevin Keats would probably be the only – maybe Brad Brunel. I think it'll, it'll some those three will finish in some order um, for coach of the year. I mean, if I could name Purdue's coach, he's got to be up there. Uh, yeah, Matt, <laughs> P- Matt Painter. Yeah, <laughs> Matt Painter is up definitely in the conversation mm-hmm. for national coach of the year, obviously. Um, and it's kind of funny to me that it's like almost like a makeup call from the media to be saying all this. I'm like, well, he's Tony Bennett's got to be up for national coach of the year. Cause like he lost all those people and no one expected any, anything out of like, yeah. no, you, did, you didn't yeah. expect anything out of them. If yeah. they had ranked them properly and put them at like number 15 or 17 to start the season, like they wouldn't be talking about Tony Bennett for coach of the year. Like if we're being honest. I mean, yeah, there's all that eating crow. I mean the, the eating crow, the guy who literally they were going to go like win four ACC games. Obviously that was, that was idiotic, but, or, or a bold wrong guess. I won't be so insulting. Or Norlander that. saying that like yeah. Virginia Tech runs the state for basketball. Yeah, yeah, like, that that was irresponsible because it's not true and never was going to be true. But the idea that the UVA wasn't going to be top twenty-five, that wasn't unreasonable. Uh, yeah. Maybe you look around like the the other teams at that level, and they probably should have known that not all of them were going to succeed, and that UVA was going to be steady because it's a consistent yeah, program. But uh, you know, I, I, like we said at the beginning of the year, no one should be upset that they weren't because they did lose London and they did end the year poorly. But we 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 had reasons to be optimistic. Um, but we're fans, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. So I think that my point being, I think there's a lot of that in coach of the year voting often. Um, sure. It's, you know, it's they either, can't it's, give it to every year, yeah. uh, even when he wins national championships. You know? Yeah. It's usually either someone who, well, yeah, it's usually someone who outperforms what everyone thought they were going right. to do or right. overcomes losing an important player and they still go really far or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, hell, Josh Pastor was the ACC coach of the year last year. I'm gonna like. I'm gonna leave like a long pause. I, y'all fill in. I have a history of mocking him on this blog and this podcast, <laughs> and I'm beginning to think I look like a bit of a dumbass for that. Yeah, and well, I think- yeah, he's still 
looks ridiculous, but that doesn't mean no. that he's a bad coach necessarily. We're not bullying. It's just the suit's a little large. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do think, yeah, Clemson, honestly, Clemson's hanging in there without Grantham, which has been very surprising mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. me. And I do feel, yeah, and I do mm-hmm. feel really bad for Notre Dame, which I didn't think I'd really ever say. I, yeah. <laughs> I actually kind of like Mike Bray. I don't know like when this happened. That's um, okay. I know I'm a lot of UVA that. fans are mad at Bonzi Colson for his like temper tantrums and like kind of going at yeah, Me going now. at Tony during the mm-hmm. uh, um, not going at like charging him, but he definitely talked some shit to Tony Bennett like in the mm-hmm. ACC tournament game, which I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what are you? Do- How dare you talk to him? <laughs> um, but I think I just feel bad. It was the best part to me about the last week. The Duke fans had the audacity to chant NIT at the Notre Dame team when they were finishing up, like they got blown out by Duke, whatever. The next game, I think it was the next game, Duke went and lost to the Big East pit at St. John's. So like, mm-hmm. obviously Duke's not going to NIT, but like right. maybe a little bit of karma, like maybe leave the team that's been decimated by injury alone right. for like a hot second. Right. And, and they would be a totally different team. With that, for with sure too, so and Farrell sat out like so many times too they're starting mm-hmm. guys that I'm like who who is this right um but I think it's going to be interesting like we kind of asked Seth was like you know how do you see the ACC shaking out like what are mm-hmm. we looking at like what is that middle chunk going to be like who's mm-hmm. going to finish in those in the fourth spot the double bye mm-hmm. like most likely it's going to end up being UVA, Clemson, Duke, in some sort of, with Virginia at the top, I think, and then Cle- uh-huh. like you know you look at it and um, Clemson's at eight and three, Duke's at seven and three, but then mm-hmm. you have Miami and State at six and four, Florida State, North Carolina, Louisville at six and five. Like it, State's had a nice little run going on, and yeah. they had a stretch where they beat Duke, beat Clemson, um, lost to Virginia, obviously, it's but so then classic Carolina. them to like win these big games, huge games, and yeah. Lose. <laughs> <laughs> some head scratching games like that Sorry, Mom. <laughs> so yeah. classic wolfpack but they haven't lost a head scratcher in a while they did get trucked by notre dame um yeah I mean, early just, in the season yeah just absolutely blown out but uh, they played that terrible game at pit like right right right, right. that was That's, like yeah. a slap fight that was a pillow fight it was but they won terrible basketball they won um yeah no that's so yeah, not I mean, UVA just just bought only beat Boston College by a bucket, right? You know, at home. That was we were being polite. That was just being nice. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Anyway, good team <laughs> and can barely beat bad teams, and it's still a W. That's uh, exactly. That's true. All right. Well, stay tuned uh, to the blog for let's see when this posts. Hopefully a win after FSU, and we don't sound too ridiculous. Um, But obviously with game day coming, we'll have a lot of coverage uh, for the big rivalry game. Yeah, follow us on the Instagram. I'm going to try and uh, hit up up some some good crowd stuff and signs. So that's streaking the lawn, all one word, lowercase, on Instagram. Give us a follow. Um, And, yeah, it should be really – should be a fun day, fun times, and I think – I don't know. What do you what do you think's gonna happen before we leave? What do you think's gonna happen on Saturday? On Saturday? Yeah. We're going to win. That's <laughs> oh, you heard bold, it here first, folks. My bold prediction. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, you know, it, I bet tech plays a little bit better. I bet yeah. they shoot better. But they've been having some weird games recently too, where they're they're like trying to figure out 
who on the roster is actually going to try. You know, there's definitely a lot of that coaching going on where they're like throwing out uh, guys who wouldn't be starting and, and they're like Blackshear wasn't playing at all the other night, you know, or very little. Yeah. Anyway, I, th- I think they're, they're still sort of frustrated and that leads to interesting lineups and things like that. But yeah. it's a rivalry game. Those guys don't want to get embarrassed again. Uh, and they know it's on national television. So I, I think, I think the arena is a, an, an easy place to shoot, even for what yeah. UVA is guarding sometimes. So I think it'll be close. I think it'll be fun, close, and UVA will win. Oh, and I, you? Could do, I could do with like another 30 point blowout, but we'll see. I do think that would be fun too. (laughs) I do think Tech will play better. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's Virginia has usually played a lot better against Tech at home, which is a Mm -hmm. nice thing. Um, But there is always such a weird thing with game day, which is it's that double edged sword for me where like it's super fun to have game day come, but it's also like just a lot of distraction type thing. And I I think the players have done a great job. Like the first one was that Duke game that whatever, Tyus Jones and just whatever. Um, but then they played a great game against Carolina after, you know, having game day there. So I don't think that's going to be a huge factor. It is the first time for like everyone except Jack, Devin and Isaiah to experience game day basically. Um, because you know, those guys are young. So they're all like, but didn't phase them going into doing yeah, It's only a positive at this point. Yeah. I think it's all good stuff. So yeah. I, I, yeah, I just hope. Yeah. I think it'll be double digit win question all right we're both calling w's we'll assume will campbell is predicting a loss <laughs> and uh we'll close up until uh the episode uh hopefully next week until then go who's all right iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing a car that's got style and substance to spare. The all-new RAV4 Limited, featuring a sophisticated, muscular new exterior and available options like a premium JBL audio system and panoramic roof. The all-new RAV4 Limited. Toyota, let's go places. JBL and Clarifier, registered trademarks of Harman International Industries Incorporated.